that I enjoy. Now, there's some things that are not so enjoyable. Can we all be honest this morning about raising kids? But can you remember back to holding your baby in your hand? We got a picture of me with Reagan on my chest. I'm sound asleep. Her eyes are open. <laughs> and she's just laying there. And it was great. She wasn't going anywhere. And I, I remember that. And I remember when uh, Logan, when he was young, you could hear his little feet. And he was coming to give me a hug. And he was going to jump into my arms. I saw that this morning. Eric, uh, you go back to say hi to Elliot. And he's like, Daddy! And he runs and jumps into Eric's arm. I, we love those moments. Do you remember teaching your kids to read? Do you remember camping with your kids? I remember a couple of years ago, or maybe it was just last summer, Logan and I, we were uh, serving at Love, Inc., and we were scraping tiles uh, in the old Love, Inc. building that they're you know, making uh, beautiful, and we're scraping, and Logan says, Dad, this is awesome. <laughs> and he just thought it was the greatest thing to have this shovel and just scraping up these tiles, and I remember that. And then I remember, Reagan, she slipped out, and she's in kids' church, but I remember last summer. I mean, what an opportunity to go on a missions trip with my daughter. It was incredible. And what was cool is she was baptized there. I was able to baptize her right there in the Caribbean Sea. I will never forget that. And those are moments, highlights that are exciting. And, uh, you know, I had another uh, highlight for me, and you might think it's a little twisted and demented, but guys, you'll understand what I'm talking about. I was there just two weeks ago. Uh, Logan and I were at PJ Hoffmaster, and if you go into the campground and go to the beach, then there's a big dune you can climb, and I don't know if you know about this, but there's a big rope swing up on the first dune to the right. Did, I, did anybody know about that? We found it, <laughs> and there were people on it, so we knew it was safe, and I tested it out, and it was safe, and we were up there for about 30 minutes, Logan and I and uh, a couple others, and we were swinging around, and uh, Logan had a first. Uh, his very last swing, he went out around, misjudged when to let go, let go kind of like this, and he landed, and it was like, thump. And you're saying, why would this be a highlight? Well, he got the wind knocked out of him. First time for him. And how many have ever had the wind knocked out of you? Yeah, most of us, right? And I had the privilege of running down the hill and saying, buddy, you okay? And he's just like, eyes wide. And I'm like, oh, Lord. And I'm saying, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And once I knew he was okay, I'm like, buddy, wasn't that awesome? <laughs> and it was great. And we'll have that memory always together. And so whether your kids are, you know, struggling with friends or relationships or school, there's always those moments that you look back and you say, it's great to be a dad, isn't it? It is. Yes, it is. And, you know, I, I was thinking about it. I wrote a few things down here. I'm the one in our family that gets to clean the sand out of the back of the car after the beach, if you know what I mean. I'm the one that gets to put the Band-Aid on the skin knees that's after Jessica says, I need to. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm the one that gets to do that. I'm the one that gets to play outside and jump on the trampoline and throw the baseball or the football. I'm the one that gets to coach my kids or ride bikes or sidewalk chalk. I heard a, a, a guy this week um, on the radio, I think it might have been Dan Seaborn, actually. I'm going to use a quote from him in a second. But he said, it was, you know how they're doing Father's Day stuff all week. He said there was a, a day he got home in a suit early on in his career, and his girls were uh, sidewalk chalking. And this, this story just cracked me up. And uh, he said his, dad, his girls were tracing all of their friends. It looked like a murder scene on their, on their uh, 
And, uh, and his girls were like, Daddy, Daddy, you got, we won't, let us trace you. And so in his suit, all in his dignity, he lays down and he gets traced. And uh, it's just great. I mean, those are great moments that we get to enjoy with our kids. And, uh, you know, we can hardly get enough of those moments. It's a privilege. Everyone say, it's a privilege to be a dad. And dads, you know what I mean. And, you know, for Father's Day, it's a special day. It's a special day for me, for you as dads. And I remember, you know, it's a time to kind of look back and reflect. In fact, Dan Seaborn, I just mentioned him from winning at home. Does, do most of you know who Dan Seaborn is? You hear him on the radio, things like that. Well, he gave us uh, three things to, to kind of consider, to reflect. And I want to just hit these really fast, and then we're going to dive in to what uh, the Lord uh, has really put in my heart for us this morning. I believe it's going to be a powerful word for everyone. But for this, for dads in, in particular, to ask yourself on occasion, the first question is this, how have I improved as a dad since last year? You know, we evaluate our work, we are evaluated, um, you know, in business. Why not at home? Check up saying, hey, how am I doing? Am I spending more time or less time? Am I writing more notes or less notes? Am I, for those of you that are grandparents or grandfathers, am I calling up the kids and saying, hey, you go out, I'll take care of the grandkids for a little bit. Encouraging kids, phone calls. Am I a bigger part of my kids' life this year than I was the previous year? And so I'd encourage you, ask yourself, how, how have I improved over the last year? The second question Dan Seaborn says to ask is, what am I doing to make my kids glad to have me around them? Pretty interesting question. Do I show up to all their big events? Do I cheer whether they strike out or hit the home run? Do I value my kids' opinion? Do I validate their concerns? Do I speak kindly? How about this? Do I treat their mom well? I hope so. Do I, um, do I carve space out of my day for my kids? Do my kids know that they are more important than my TV, my car, my job, my hobbies, my responsibilities? Th those are some hard questions. Do my kids get more self-esteem uh, when I'm around? Do they feel safe? And then I love this. He says, uh, Dan Seaborn said, do they know that I will never leave? I hope so. And the third question he says, and really kind of leads into where we want to go, he says, as a dad, how is my heart? How's my heart? To take a, an evaluation and say, okay, how am I doing? Is my heart pliable? Am I teachable? I'm not perfect. We understand that. But how can I be better? To love being a dad is not enough. The real test is for our kids to say, you know what, my kids get loved out of the deal. And that is a challenge for all of us. It is a tremendous privilege to be a father. And I don't know about you, and I, I, my guess is if I had asked the question, 100% of the dads here would say this, but let me just say it loud and clear. I want to be the best dad that I can be. I, I do. And one of the reasons why is because my dad was such a good example he wasn't perfect, but he really was my best friend growing up. My dad, he worked from 6 o'clock to 2.30 every day for Ford Motor Company, and he had about a 45-minute drive. That means he was up around 4.30, leaving a little after 5 to get there on time, and then he would drive home. He'd get home about 3.15 every day. And from 3.15 until we ate dinner, my dad was there for me. He had plenty of opportunity to say, I'm tired, I'm worn out, but he always was there. 
he actually, many times in his career uh, at Ford Motor Company, gave up promotions so his time with the family would be protected. And then I remember one time, and it's kind of a, a twisted memory, or it's got some pros and cons, but uh, one time, I remember my dad uh, stood up for me, defended me. We were on vacation, and I, you know, if you know me, I've got a little bit of crazy in me, and um, <laughs> we were go-karting, right? <laughs> and, uh, and, I've, and I'm young, and I wasn't paying attention, and I'm bumping, and I know the rules said not to bump, and I'm bumping, and I got kicked off, and the guy just was really rude and nasty, and uh, my dad stood up for me, and, uh, and I remember that, and he said, hey, don't treat my son that way. Yeah, he was wrong, and we're going to take care of that, and, uh, and then there's a part of the story I can't share, but, uh, <laughs> but my dad was an example, a great example to me, and so I want to be that kind of dad to my kids. I want to bless my kids. I want to bless my kids, and I want to encourage you as dads and future dads to be the best that you can be as well. And there's a little formula that uh, we want to address this morning that really is a formula for success in life, but we want to consider dads uh, primarily this morning. And it's not an easy formula. It's not something that is actually popular. In fact, it's uh, actually, if you start to live this formula out, you will be criticized. You will have questions uh, from others. But this formula will work, and it's a very simple thing. And you guys have heard this before, but I want to talk about the, our priorities in our lives. And this is the correct, uh, what I believe, the correct priorities for us uh, this morning and for our lives, each of us. God first, family second, above all else. And that's what I want to call my message this morning, God first, family second, above all else. And again, if you're a father here, of course, this will apply. If you're not a dad, this will apply. It will cause success in your life if you put God first in your life and then uh, and then our families, and the, above everything else. How many have ever heard of Chuck Colson before? Uh, a few of you have heard of Chuck Colson. Well, I was listening to Focus on the Family uh, the other day, um, and Emily Colson was on there, and uh, they had a clip or a, a soundbite from her uh, talking about her dad, Chuck Colson. And Chuck Colson, uh, he just passed away a few, a few weeks ago, and, uh, and so it was really fresh, and she was giving a eulogy about her dad. Now, if you don't know Chuck Colson, he was uh, kind of a hard-charging Marine. Uh, he was, uh, you know, went through law school, got involved in politics. He was uh, nicknamed Nixon's Hatchet Man. And uh, for those of you that know, what did he get caught up in? Got himself in trouble? Watergate. Yeah, and I don't even know what Watergate's all about exactly, although there's lots of corruption there. And, uh, and he, at the pinnacle of his success, Chuck Colson, the pictured behind me, ended up spending nine months in prison. The depths of despair, and in that depths of those, in those depths of despair, God met him in a powerful way. And God used the ashes of his life to create something that he's well known for, prison fellowship. Back in 1976, that was the year I was born, uh, he was in prison, and God birthed this heart in him. And now listen to something that Chuck Colson says. He says, now in the early days, he says, I wasn't the dad I should have been when the kids were growing up. Let me read that again, because we hear this way too often. I wasn't the dad I should have been when the kids were growing up. Now to Chuck Colson's honor, listen, he says, I've tried to make good for that, 
make up for lost time and lost ground. And I'm a crusader on this because I was so determined in the Marines. I was gone all the time. And then in the politics, I was consumed with the politics and got caught up in the great cause of changing the world. And that all came crashing down on me. And when it did, I realized how much I had missed in my life. And then listen to what he says. And that's why I'm a crusader today to tell dads and listen up, everyone, don't miss what I missed. Don't miss what I missed. Now, Chuck Colson, he, in 1976, he changed his life. It was like a 180-degree turn. And I want you to listen just for a moment. 35 years later, his daughter, Emily, in her eulogy, it's a short soundbite, listen to the words of this, and then we'll come back and continue. morning. My name is Emily Colson, and I am very blessed to be Chuck Colson's daughter. Today we celebrate a life well lived. I am thankful to be old enough to have known my father before he became a Christian and to see the change, the transformation in my father when Christ ruled in his heart. My father still had the same intellect and drive and passion for life, but a softness came over him. I think about my dad's office in his home in Florida, the desk, highly polished, where he worked tirelessly. And I think about the overstuffed green chair in the corner where every morning he would kneel and pray. My dad became, as scripture says, a new creation, and he loved his family differently. When I would call my dad or when he would call me, which was daily, sometimes it was more than once a day, you would think my dad had nothing else to do in his life. He was fully present. I thought he only did that for me. But I now know he has done it for everyone in our family. He put us first. God first, family second, above all else. That's the mark of a great father and a great leader I encourage all of you who are fathers to understand the powerful impact you can have in your children's lives. Don't miss it. Some great words from Emily Colson. Did you catch that? God first, family second, above all else. It really puts Chuck Colson's quote, don't miss this. Don't miss what I did in those early days. Puts it into perspective for each of us. So I want to talk about this just for a moment. The first thing that we want to say is God first. And I want you to turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, we see a, uh, a section of scripture here uh, the, encouraging the people of Israel, the Israelites, 
and uh, to keep God first. And listen to what it says, uh, starting in, uh, in chapter 6, verse 1. It says, These are the commands, the decrees, the laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands I give you. Verse number 5 says this, says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commands I give to you today are to be upon your hearts. We need to keep our priorities straight, whether you're a dad or not, to love God with all your heart and soul, mind and strength. If you flip back to Exodus chapter 20 and you look at the, uh, the Ten Commandments, the first four commands are all about loving God. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make yourself an idol in the form of anything above heaven or below it. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. And then to remember God's day. It's all about Jesus. The first four out of ten are all about our relationship with Jesus. And what's interesting is in the New Testament, you know, things were redefined and, and uh, were challenged a little different, but the same words ring true. Matthew 22, verse 37, Jesus was asked, what is the greatest command? And what is the greatest command? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second's like it, of course, love your neighbor as yourself. And I love what Paul says in Philippians, and I want you to turn there, Philippians chapter 3. We studied the Philippians for uh, a few years ago, and I remember looking at this verse, Philippians 3, verse 10, and listen to the passion in Paul as he's writing to the Philippians. He says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his, in his suffering, becoming like him even in his death. I want to know Christ. And that's a challenge for each of us, no matter where we are in our lives, is to know God, to understand who He is. My dad, when it comes, came to putting God first, he was a great example. My dad was a worshiper. My dad did his devotions all the time. In fact, I'm, we would walk in on my dad um, uh, with the Bible open. He still, when he visits, uh, I don't think he ever misses He's in the Word on a regular basis. Now he listens, and my mom and him listen, and they, we kind of make fun of them. And they, they sit there in the bed, and they do a little iPod, and uh, it's kind of fun, isn't it? But what an example. My dad, when, he was, when I was little, he used to write me little notes with scriptures before he would head off to work. And I'd have one, my sister would have one, my older sister would have one. And my dad was a great example. He put God first. And I want my relationship to be like that as well. I want my relationship with God to be red hot. I want my wife and my kids to know that God is more important than anything in my life to keep Him first. And so if that's going to happen, I need to address my personal time with God, my prayer life, my worship. I, do I, am I in God's Word? And then am I doing devotions as a family when we can? And you know what? When we do those things and we cultivate those things, God, He honors those things when we put Him first. God first. Everyone say that. God first. And then second is family. Family second. Back in Deuteronomy chapter 6, it's interesting. 
Because it not only says in verse 5, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Your version might say with all your mind, with all your strength, or with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Then verse 6 says this. It says, these commandments I give to you are to be upon your hearts. Remember Dan Seaborn? He said, How is the, what's the condition of your heart? And this will all tie in, you'll see. But then it says, impress them on your children. Impress these truths to love God on your children. And you say, well, that's not really, you know, family second, I don't get it. Well, listen, it says, talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. It's talking about being with your kids, being with your family and the importance of that, walking with them, impressing on your children as you live. Talk about God's love when you're sitting at home and walking along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. I love what verse 8 says, tie them as symbols around your hands, bind them on your forehead, write them on the door frames of your houses. Don't let your family slip away. Family second. Besides God in your life, nothing is more important than our spouses and our kids. There's nothing in life that's more important. The expectations of others don't even come close. Our schooling, our work, our activities, our hobbies, none of those things rank where our family is. And can I be as bold to say, even ministry is not as important as our families. I got some revelation. Some, uh, I was enlightened a few years ago when I read the book Choosing to Cheat by Andy Stanley, a pastor down in Atlanta, Georgia. And in his book Choosing to Cheat, he said, you're going to cheat something in life with your time. You're going to cheat somewhere. And he says, there's so many people that they've got this noble cause. And he's talking to pastors primarily at this point, but there's a correlation we'll find here. But he's saying, look, they're saying, look, we're going to build the church. It's a privilege to do so. But they get their priorities out of whack. In ministry, there's always time for one more visit, right? One more phone call, one more email, one more trip, one more mission, one more speaking arrangement, one more thing to clean up or to reset. Meetings, meetings, meetings. That's what ministry is like uh, many times. And many times, it's self-inflicted. There are pastors that get their identity from making those calls and, and those things. They don't find their identity in Christ. But it's all on the accolades that come. Oh, pastor, thank you for this or thank you for that. And then there's pressure from, from yourself uh, as pastors, but then pressure from others. Oh, well, you should do this or shouldn't do that. And you know what's interesting? There's so many pastors today that will say, well, God, bless my family while I build the church. Make up the difference at home, God, while I'm building the church. And Andy Stanley says, shame on us. See, the reality is, is that God, he gives us some clear commands in Scripture. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 says this. It says, husbands, love your wives. It's crystal clear. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So my first and foremost responsibility after my relationship with God is my spouse. You understand that? And same for you. 
And then in Proverbs 22, verse 6, we love this verse. Listen what it says. It says, train a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not turn from it. And we believe that. We take that to the bank. But it says that it's a command. We are to train our children to lead them. And then we can look at Matthew 16, verse 18, where Jesus, he promises to build the church. He says, I will build the church, and the rocks of, uh, or the, the gates of hell will not prevail. Thank you. Christ will build the church. Christ promises to build the church. But so many times, pastors, and I can be guilty of this too, we're, oh, we're going to build the church, we're going to build the church, and our family can suffer. My family has suffered at times. We are to build our families, guys. And the translation, yeah, many of you are not in full-time ministry, I understand that. But your business is not as important as your family. Your schooling is not as important. Your friendships, your finances, the sports you play, the activities, your hobbies are not as important as your family. And it's easy to say from here, it's a little harder to play out in our time. God first, family second, above all else. See, if we give our best time to our business or to our schooling or to our finances or our golf game, right, and neglect our family, the reality is, is you and I will lose if we do that. Tommy Nelson, who uh, is over Nelson, um, Tommy Nelson Publishers, says this, Christian Publishing Company. He says this, he says, I can remember fishing with my father. I can remember cold coffee grounds on the open fire. I can remember listening to my father tell stories. I remember baseball games. He says, you didn't, or you don't realize while you're doing it what you're doing, but you spend time with your children. And then listen to this, it's so profound. It says, your kids have to have time because fathers, there's no amount of success in this world that is going to ever replace the pain of a child gone south because you didn't spend time with them. Guys, dads, future dads, God first, family second. I heard a story about a father and son that went fishing and they're out all day long on the beat, beat red from the sun. They fished all day, didn't catch a thing, no nibbles even. And the dad came home that night and wrote in his journal, he said, boy, a day wasted, didn't catch a thing. On the very same day, his son in his journal said, best day ever, spent a whole day with dad. Guys, it is a privilege. It's our privilege to be dads, to be fathers. But more than just a privilege, it's also our responsibility. When you think about all the dads have to do, we have to protect and provide. We pray for, we lead, we, need, we are the lovers uh, of our family. We are the fixers. I was just fixing a toilet yesterday that I fixed like five times in the five years that we've lived here. I'm like, what's wrong with this toilet? But we're fixers, aren't we? We're the dreamers. Sometimes we're the chauffeur. We're the ones that get to wrestle with the kids, right? 
We are the coach. We're the master grillers. We're the landscapers. We're the bankers, security guards. We are the, to be the role models in our families. And the reality is, is that the responsibilities as dads is huge. You say, well, why is it so important? Well, the reason it's so important, guys, no matter what age your kids are, young or old, it's so important because our kids are watching us. And this morning, I want you to check this out and consider how your kids watch you in your life. Dad, you don't know it right now, but I'm watching you. Watching the things you do. I'm watching the way you treat people. The way you treat me and my mom and my sister. The way you live your life is having a big impact on me. When it's time for me to choose a career and provide for my family, your work ethic will be on my mind. The time you spend with me even doing simple things will give me a sense of security. There will be times in my life where I struggle with integrity and I may be not sure what to do. But I will recall how you stood up for what was right even if you could have looked the other way. Choices you are making, I will also make. Please don't be afraid to show me your failures, to show me your mistakes. I will learn from them. Dad, are you listening? I'm watching. Watching to see if you really believe what you say about God. I need you to help show me the way. Show me how to live life that isn't safe, but is good. So I'm watching you, Dad, every day. You're teaching me how to live. Whether you know it or not. And that's the truth of it, isn't it? It's a responsibility that each of us have. I want you to turn with me to Mark chapter 8, verse 36. A verse that just really is powerful in light of what we're talking about. Mark chapter 8. Verse 36 says, What good is it if a man were to gain the world yet forfeit his soul? And we understand that in the light of the, the context here is that, that to lose our salvation. If we gained the whole world and lost our salvation, if we didn't have God first in our life, for example, uh, and the, the answer is there wouldn't be anything 
there's nothing in this world that would replace that. But could I take some liberty and say the same thing about our families? What if we gained the whole world but lost our families? God help us. You know, I was thinking this morning about what I would like to hear at my memorial. You know, hearing Chuck Colson, hearing his daughter say those great things. Realizing that once you pass, you can't come back. Even Lazarus in the Bible wanted to come back and warn uh, his, his uh, family about the judgment, but wasn't able to. What would I want my great, 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 great grandkids to say about me? I would want him to say, I'm grateful for great, 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 great Uncle Ben, or Grandpa Ben. <laughs> Grandpa Ben, I like that. I would want them to say, boy, I'm thankful for the heritage, for the godly heritage that, they, that he passed on. But you know, the reality is that there are people in our lives, you may be even here this morning, and you may be failing as a dad. There are pastors that, that fail, that, that don't make it, that, that, that lose their focus, their priorities are messed up. And the thing that we can learn from these guys is to encourage our dads. And that's what I want to be today, is an encouragement to every single one of you. Encouragement to me. And I want to say this, I want to say that in that process, could we be gentle with our fathers? See, there are some dads that, that you know, we need to give them a little extra grace. Maybe they didn't grow up in, uh, in the same way that you wish that you were being uh, raised. I was uh, talking with one dad uh, or one son and, um, this week, and he was saying, yeah, I've been trying to tell my dad that I love him, but all he does, he's always changing the, changing the subject. He'll say, I love you, Dad. And his dad was like, well, did you see the Tigers last night? <laughs> or, I love you, Dad. Have you changed your oil lately? And we need to be gentle with those dads that don't quite get it yet. We need to love them. And what it is, and I know for me, it's taking knowledge, which I understand from God's Word, and then taking it to heart. Brennan, I'm going to ask that you come. See, the, what we need to do, guys and gals, everyone that's here, we need to ask God to take the knowledge of God's Word and to translate it to our hearts. For me, I've pulled in my driveway, and there's toys everywhere, bikes, almost ran over. I think I might have ran over a toy or two in my day. And I get mad, and I say, you know, what's wrong with my kids? You know, they need to pick up after themselves, Right? Or I'm tired and I don't really want to go out and throw the ball with Logan or, or I don't want to sit on the bed late at night with Reagan for hours. I'm not perfect. But what I want is to take the knowledge that I know of Scripture and to take it to heart. I play basketball on Thursday nights. Uh, through the school season. Tony, you play with me. It's fun. Not very much. Or what'd you say? Oh, not very well. That's not true. Tony's amazing. I'll take you on my team all day long. But there's a guy we play basketball with, Tony. Roger. He's a little different. Would you agree? 
I love Roger. If you, I wish he was here today. Uh, I called him and I couldn't get a hold of him this week. But Roger, one night after basketball, we're sitting around at Applebee's and we started talking about our families. And he started sharing the story that when his kids were growing up, he would take his kids, he had a daughter and a son, he would take them on vacation, just him and his daughter, just him and his son. And it would be a day or two, sometimes up to a week-long vacation. And the guys around the table, most of them were like, what are you, crazy? You know, how'd you do that? You know, and, and Roger's like, hey, it was a sacrifice. But his kids are grown now and have their own kids. And his kids, what he, what he was saying is that he was reflecting on how his kids talk about those trips and how important they were to him. Just spending time making a priority. And for me, I was sitting there and I'm thinking, you know what? I have done a lot of awesome things. In fact, I, back in the fall, some of you know, I, I gave plasma for one month and then I was done. But when I gave plasma, they asked you all the places that you've been. And the first time I went, they're like, really? And I'm like listening to all these, and, and then they wouldn't let me give, and then I had to come back, and it was a big hassle. So I just typed out a list of all the places I'd been. I've been to Mexico, Tijuana many times, Mexico City, that's where I met my wife. Been to Cozumel, to Russia, to Belarus. Been to the Bahamas three times, to Jamaica twice. Missions trips. I promise, I promise. Been to China, I've been to El Salvador, I've been to Honduras. Some of you, or was it El Salvador or El Salvador? I've been to the, uh, the Grand Cayman Islands, the Grand Turk, St. Martin, St. Thomas. Been to the Dominican last year with my daughter. It was awesome. And then I had to put, I've been to Canada. We, my grandma lived in, in Windsor, so we'd go across lots of times. Those were all my international stuff. And then just this morning, I grabbed this out of my car because I had to keep it in my car, so I'd tell them the right list. I've been to Colorado camping and hiking. I've climbed to the tallest place in Utah, King's Peak. I've biked across Iowa. And you know what? I have 50 goals of things that I want to do. And some of them are activities like that. I, one day I'd like to ride my bike across America and take you know a month and a half to do it, maybe two months, maybe a year. I don't know. <laughs> you know I've got goals like that that are, that are kind of fun. But I was sitting there listening to Roger and saying, you know what? He invested in his kids. His kids were obviously a priority to him. And at that point, I had already committed to go to Colorado this year with a group of guys and to climb a bunch of 14,000-foot mountains. We are going to try to do six or seven in one week. It's possible. And to me, I'm thinking, man, that sounds good. That's it. That sounds exciting. Jessica said, yeah, do it. Go. And I came home that night, and I didn't say anything to Jessica. I just kind of let that story sit in my heart about Roger and his kids taking all these little trips. And, and it was like the Lord was saying, you know what? Ben, you need to invest in your kids this summer. So I called up the guy that was leading the trip to Colorado, and, I, and we were supposed to take my car. <laughs> I said, man, I'm out. And I told him why. And that was difficult 
this summer, I told my daughter, I said, I'm going to take you to Chicago for a couple days. I told Logan, I'm going to take you to a Tigers game. We're going to go camping, just the two of us. <laughs> and you know what's so great? At youth group a couple weeks ago, we were saying, hey, kids are out of school. And I heard, we were saying, hey, what are you most looking forward to? I think it was on a Monday. Uh, you guys were there. Reagan, she says, I'm looking forward to that trip to Chicago with you, Dad. Yeah. The same money I'd spend on myself, I can invest in my kids. And I don't say that to puff myself up because I've blown it. I've done a lot of things on my own, and I've just decided that I don't want to do anything without my wife or with my kids. It's, you know, the guys around the table that night, you know, some of them by their facial expressions were saying, man, Roger, you're weird, right? And some of you may think, man, you're weird, Pastor, but you know what? I don't care. My kids are important. And I want to create a culture here at the Gateway Church where we can cheer each other on, to encourage each other in this way. You can do it. Yeah, none of us are going to be perfect. We're going to mess up. And there's some of you here that you're saying, man, I have some big mess-ups in my life. But today is about celebrating dads, celebrating fathers. And I believe as we celebrate fathers and encourage one another, we ultimately celebrate our Heavenly Father our healer, our redeemer, the one that forgives us, our cleanser, our helper, our discipliner, our counselor. When we celebrate dads, we celebrate Jesus. And God wants us to do that well this morning. And so I want to challenge you this morning. I'm going to talk to the dads for a moment, then to all of us. Dads, this morning, how are you doing? Dan Seaborn, he says, there's three things we need to check in on, on occasion. That last one says, where's your heart? Because we can know what to do. We can have the knowledge, but it's got to transfer to our hearts. And how is your heart? Are you cold are you, or are you pliable? Are you like a brick or are you like dough that can be shaped and molded? My heart for you and for me is that we'd be soft, teachable, and that God would help us. Guys, you can do it. Dads, you can be an incredible example in your family. In future dads, you can be a blessing to your wife and to your kids. And that's what God's will is, I believe, for you. But the fact is, <clears throat> when we think about putting God first in our lives, there are some of us here that really struggle with that, keeping God first. Maybe there's moments of greatness with God, but we fall, we, we slide, we, we struggle. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to be honest and talking to everyone. If, if you're struggling keeping God first in your life and would like some prayer, some help, just to, to some encouragement in that, I want to encourage you in that. The other thing is, I believe there are some here that if you're honest, you'd say, you know, when it comes to my family, my priorities have not been God first, family second, 
above all else. And again, there may be moments of greatness, but when it comes to the timeline of your life with your family, maybe some of us are struggling in this area. And I'm going to ask that you would be honest in just a moment as well, asking God to help. So with everyone's head bowed and eyes closed, across the room, if you're struggling this morning, keeping God first in your life, you'd say, Pastor, I want to make a commitment this morning to do just that. Would you slip up your hand and just be honest, saying, God, help me in my life to glorify you. Yeah. Who else? Yeah. Who else would say, yeah, that's me. I want to keep you first above all else. And if you're struggling and you're saying, yep, help me, Lord. Just slip up your hand. Then we're going to pray for you in just a minute. Lots of hands. Young people, older folks. Yeah. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord for moments to be honest, to say, God, help me. You can put your hands down. Anyone else saying, yep, that's me. I need to keep God first. Yeah, it's healthy to, re- to recognize that. Now, with your head bowed and eyes closed, and I understand this is even more personal, so I'm going to ask that you keep your eyes closed, please. But if you're here this morning and you're saying, Pastor, My family has not been second. I struggle in this area. Would you pray for me? Would you slip up your hand? Yeah. Who else? Saying, yeah. Lord, help me. Yeah, thanks. Maybe you're talking to moms and dads or even kids here. Saying, yep, my family hasn't been my priority. Yeah. Put your hands back down. take the hand of the person next to us just kind of make our way around the right even across the aisles kind of stretch out I want you to pray for the person on your right and then we're going to pray for the person on your left two things first of all that they would keep God first in their life and then the second thing I want you to pray is that they would keep their family second. That simple. And if you don't know the person next to you, that doesn't even matter all that much. Just pray a blessing over them. Encourage them. And let's let them hear us pray. I'll pray up here for Brendan in the back all the way to the front. Make sure you're praying for someone. If you're on the end here, just jump. Pray for the person on the other side, okay? Let's take a moment. Pray. Let's pray for our friends. Thank you, Lord. I'll pray for the person on your right or on your left, the opposite, whatever we said. Hallelujah, God.
praise your name, God. Yes, God. Lord, we need you, God. Lord, help us, God. Where we have slipped, where we failed, God, redeem. Redeem the time where we've let our anger get the best of us. God, help us to return grace in our homes. Oh, Lord, I pray. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I pray for each one here, God, that every one of us, God, would keep you first. Lord, your word says to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Lord, we we stand on your word. Lord, help us to keep you as a priority. And Lord, if we've struggled here, God, help us, Lord, God, to, to put you back at the forefront to spend time with you in worship and prayer in your word. Oh, God, help us. And Lord, I pray for our families that we would be strong and that we'd be people that can come along aside of each other and encourage one another. And Lord, we'll give you the praise for that and the glory for that. And God, I pray for those that have struggled, God, that have that even today they're feeling maybe pain or, or shame. God, I pray that we would lay those things, we would put our hope in you, Lord, that you would be able to restore families, Lord, that you would be the healer of broken relationships, that wounds would be healed by your grace, by your mercy. We thank you for this. And God, we give you all the praise, all the glory as we keep you first, our family second, above all else. Say that, church, above all else. Say it one more time, above all else. And Lord, I pray that you'd go before us, behind us, and all around us, and we'll give you the praise and glory and all God's people said together, amen and amen. Go in the grace of God. Enjoy your families. We love you, and we'll be back next week. We love you. God bless you as you go this morning. Amen.